Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and we're about to take a wild ride into the lesser-known side of rodeo life. While the biggest names in rodeo are out in the arena entertaining us all, these are the stories of the people behind the scenes, supporting them and holding it all together. Unfiltered conversations with the partners, parents, and children of your favorite rodeo athletes on what it takes to navigate relationships, raise families, and pursue careers while the ones they love are out chasing their gold buckle dreams. Whether you're a part of this big rodeo family, a fan of the action, or a lover of Western culture, Companion Pass is where you'll find all of the insights you've been craving. Jenna Knowles is on the podcast today. Now, you probably know Jenna because you're all following her on social media already, which is one of my favorite things to do. She's a, a great person to follow. If you are not somehow already following her after this podcast, I guarantee you that you will. Jenna is not just a social media superstar, but she is also the wife of Trevor Knowles, who's a 13-time NFR qualifier in the steer wrestling. So she is a fellow steer wrestler wife, and I'm so happy to have her here. <laughs> Hi, Jenna. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so happy to have you here. Luke and Trevor, your husband, have been really good friends for a long time. They, like at the height of their careers, they seemed like they were two that were always really going head to head. And to hear Luke talk about it, I know that he views Trevor as someone who always really kept his game sharp. You know, Trevor was such an awesome steer wrestler. And I always had so much fun watching him. And then, you know, the two of you also. So it's fun to have you here in that capacity. I know it's great to be here. And yeah, it's been fun seeing their friendship transform over the years, especially now that they're both done rodeoing. And yeah, it's been nice to see them keep up. Yeah. Trevor is one of the people that Luke really keeps up with now that he's retired. There's a lot of people like friends you have in rodeo and you maybe fall out of touch with a little bit when you leave rodeo. And Trevor is one of the people that Luke says that he still talks to the most often, like their friendship has really outlasted their rodeo careers. And I think that's such an awesome thing to have. I know. I think it is, too. I know. I think that so Trevor has this list of people that he calls, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly or every other month. And Luke is definitely on the list. I love that. I mean, they have a lot in common, too. So it's no wonder that they do that. Plus, they can hop on there and relive the glory days, right? Yeah, (laughs) especially when they're watching rodeos on TV. Yes, absolutely. But enough about Trevor and Luke. I want to talk about Jenna. So tell me, what was Jenna like as a kid? How did you grow up? Who were you? How did you become the person you are today? Yeah, so I grew up on a ranch in a small town in northeastern Nevada. I grew up rodeoing. I did 4-H, FFA. I rodeoed up until my senior year of high school. And then I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. So I went to the College of Southern Idaho in Twin Falls, and I just majored in communication because it was pretty basic. And then I graduated from there with my associates, and I transferred to Boise State and majored in communication there. And while I was going to school at Boise State, I modeled a little bit here, and I worked at Verizon, and then 
when I graduated with my bachelor's degree, a marketing job popped up at Verizon. So I applied for that. Didn't think I was going to get it, but I got it. (laughs) And so I kind of started my big girl life with my big girl career and was fresh out of college and had a great group of friends. And yeah, I never really had plans of going back to ranching. I was just really enjoying where I was at in life and got a taste of the city life and loved it. So yeah, yeah, that's up until that point, that's about how I was living. And then a cowboy came along. Which should be a country song. And then a cowboy came along. <laughs> that's, it gets the best of all of us for sure. But I want to talk about that because I think your story is a little bit unique in that you grew up, you know, on a ranch immersed in the Western lifestyle. But then you kind of stepped away from it, like the career path you chose took you away from it. And you just said that you didn't see yourself returning to ranching, which now you have, I know, and we'll talk about that later. But during that time, what was that decision like for you when you said you didn't think you'd go back to it? Was that like intentional that you wanted a different path or just something you kind of fell into and found that you really liked being in a bigger city? Yeah, I didn't like intentionally make the decision like there wasn't something that I didn't enjoy about the way I grew up. I absolutely loved ranching and I loved like I had my own herd of cows with my brother and loved the horses and everything. I just had never really lived life outside of this life. So I think I just needed that. You know, I needed to see what the world was like. And I didn't have plans to go back to the ranch. I was just going to kind of see where life took me. And yeah, really, I enjoyed the city, but I'm so glad that (laughs) I ended up back where I where my roots were. I can't imagine living in a city now. For sure. That time that you were living in a bigger city, what is the thing that you loved the most? Like, convenience wise or just I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast and I certainly have like we experience rural life and so I think a lot of us know that side of things but what was it when you moved to the city that you're like oh this is awesome well yeah the convenience for one like you didn't have to drive 20 minutes to get to the grocery store and you didn't have to drive two hours to go to Costco (laughs) those things were super cool but just like all the things that you could do you know I grew up over an hour away from a movie theater and a bowling alley and things like that. So those things were really cool. And then also on the other side of things, like the no responsibility, like if I wanted to go to the lake for the weekend with some friends, like I didn't have animals to take care of, I could just go like there was nothing holding me back. So yeah, that was kind of fun. And I think especially too, for like other kids, you grow up kind of rurally or on a ranch and your social life looks very different than anybody else that's growing up in a bigger city. Even just what I feel like the life I'm living now with my kids, like if my kids want to go do something and hang out with friends, I'm like, well, that's, that's an hour of driving, like commitment time for us. To yeah, get them to wherever they need to go. It's not easy to just like, oh, I'm going to ride my bike down the street to a friend's house, you know. So I'm sure for you being like college age or early 20s, like just being able to have a social life was a big component that was probably new for you, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. When I first moved to Boise, I lived in the same complex as some of my best friends. And then we were like, a 45 second drive from the mall, which was probably not a good place for 
young college kids that are poor trying to live like <laughs> let's go shopping okay fine yeah oh that's funny you also yeah. mentioned modeling there let's talk a little bit about your modeling career I know that's something that you still kind of do but like how did you get into that obviously you get into it because you're like six foot tall like supermodel gorgeous so that part is obvious but like how did you start so I always kind of had a little bit of interest in it and when I lived in Twin Falls like fresh out of high school America's Next Top Model was doing auditions there and me and one of my friends auditioned and we were like not even close to being picked but so that was kind of like where my interest started and then when I was living in Boise I think I was I don't know if I was working at the mall at the time or just at the mall, but someone approached me and asked if I wanted to come meet at the agency and see what it was all about. So I ended up signing with this agency. And so they were who got me all of my jobs. And I mainly did like commercial shoots. And then I would also do promotional modeling. So I would go to a lot of like outdoor shows. So I'd go to the outdoor retailer show in Salt Lake and just model like outdoor gear. It was basically like going to WESA, but I would be standing at a booth modeling like snow boots or something. Right. <laughs> so that was really fun. It was really easy money and really good money for a college kid. Yeah, that's kind of how that started. <laughs> oh, that sounds super fun. What was your favorite part about modeling? Probably the promotional side of things because I didn't do, I think I did one or two runway shows and that was not my thing because I cannot be serious. If you put me in a serious situation, I'm going to end up laughing or snorting or something. Yeah, that didn't work out well for me. Just the promotional side of things where you can just be yourself and be social with people was that was right up my alley. Is there anything about the world of modeling that you found out once you entered into it that was either surprising to you or that you think would be surprising for other people to hear about it? Because it seems like such a, a different world than anything that I know. So I'm so curious about what the inner workings are like. I don't think so. There wasn't, I feel like everything that I experienced was like stuff that you would see on the TV shows, but I didn't really get into the fashion type modeling. It was like I modeled for HP printers and Scentsy candles and things like that. So I would just like take pictures smelling a candle. So yeah, I wasn't in the caddy side of modeling. So there was nothing really surprising, but it was pretty cool, easy money for a college kid, which was awesome. This is a really funny side story, but I feel like this is my chance to put it out there. You mentioned America's Next Top Model. Well, you know my younger sister. I, I hope that audition video or photos still exist somewhere that you can send to me because I really want that to be a thing. But I bring that up because you know my younger sister, Holly. Well, yes, I also remember the height of America's Next Top Model. <laughs> And they did one season where they did like short girl America's Next Top Model. It was like if you were under five, seven or something, you could apply. And my younger sister, Holly, who, like you, is also just naturally beautiful. I was like, you should totally apply for this, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, really? Are you sure? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. So I helped her film her audition video. And I made her do this thing. Because I thought it would be really funny. And I don't even know how to 
describe this in a way that will sound funny to people that are just listening to this and not wouldn't be able to see the hand motion that I'm doing. She, I basically made her do like jazz hands. I, it doesn't even sound funny. I swear to you it was. I laughed really hard. So she did it. I convinced her she should leave it in the video because it would be so funny that then the producers could like see she's got a great personality too. Well, she also <laughs> did not get a call back <laughs> like you. And to this day, she blames me for making her leave that part in the video as to why she was not, didn't get to meet Tyra Banks. Denied by the jazz hands. <laughs> Dang you. I'm going to have to ask her if she still has it because it really was funny. I still, I stand by that being a good call. Gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I don't think there's any video evidence of my <laughs> audition. And I think I wore flip-flops to the audition. So they're probably like, yeah, this girl doesn't even know what a high heel is. Oh, wait, did you do an in-person audition? Yes. Oh my gosh. I didn't know yeah. you like actually showed up like a casting call. Yeah, I think I was only there for about 17 minutes and I never heard from them again. So I hope that they hear this and they're kicking themselves now. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. All right. Well, let's move on to that. And then I met a cowboy stage of your life. Before I ask you how you and Trevor met, I do want to ask you, like growing up on a ranch, now you're a city girl. Did you see yourself dating a cowboy? Did you think, sure, I'll end up with a cowboy? Or were you like, absolutely not? I don't think that I want that lifestyle. No, I, in fact, I had never even dated a cowboy up until that point. And I never was like, man, I would like to date a cowboy. And in fact, it was probably the opposite. <laughs> Stay away from them. So then I have to ask, because I think that maybe you're one of the only people I have gotten to ask this question. And I'll have Luke apologize to Trevor for this later. But since you dated non-cowboys before, was there anything that you found out about? Can you compare the two in any way? Things that you did not like about dating like city type guys or that you did in comparison to dating cowboys? This is a foreign world yeah, to me. I don't so, know anything about dating non-cowboys. I need to know. So a common theme that I found in the non-cowboys is that once they found out that I grew up on a ranch and would go home to the ranch every so often on the weekends and like rope and stuff, they wanted to become cowboys. And that is the most unattractive thing in the world ever to me. Like, you're either a cowboy or you're not. Please do not try to become a cowboy because I grew up on a ranch. Like, I cannot handle that. So that's why those relationships didn't work out. So if I'm going to date somebody that wants to come home and brand calves with me, then I guess they better know how to rope because I can't teach you it's going to make me sick watching you try to swing a rope. I'm just imagining a guy showing up at home. Like this is my this is the picture in my head of the date of the guy you're describing. It's like you take him home and he's got pants that will barely fit over the tops of his boots. Like I'm just imagining them really tight, will barely fit over the top. And he's bought himself a new hat but didn't shape it after it came out of the box. And so it's got like the box shape. <laughs> Nobody will be able to see how emphatically you're nodding your head yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I fully... I can understand what you're saying when you're like, that's the most unattractive quality. Just don't try. I guess trying to learn a new thing, that's an attractive quality, like embracing a different lifestyle, but not. I can no. definitely appreciate the interest and in the embracing the lifestyle. Nicest guys ever, by the way, if anybody that knows any of these people are listening, nicest guys ever, but I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Stay in your own lane. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Now let's get to it. How did you and Trevor meet? My brother had a litter of Border Collie puppies that he was trying to sell. And he didn't have Facebook at the time. So me and my mom were advertising this litter of puppies for him. And I get a friend request and a message from Trevor Knowles. And I knew who he was. But like at this point in life, I wasn't really following rodeo anymore. I wasn't really watching the NFR anymore. I was just in my own little world. So I knew who he was. But anyway, I had given him my number so we could discuss this puppy scenario. And so I would just let him know that the puppy wasn't ready yet. And I would let him let my brother know and get him on the list. And then whenever they were ready, he could get his puppy. And then that was that. So then the next day rolls around and I get a phone call from Trevor Knowles. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Like, I thought we figured this puppy thing out, but whatever. So I answered it and he was driving to a rodeo and he was just like, hey, what are you doing? And just wanted to chit chat. And there was no conversation about the puppy. He just wanted to talk. So I visited with him and he was like the easiest person ever to talk to. So that kind of continued on. And so at one point, so he would fly in and out of Boise to go home because he was in Oregon. So whenever he would come home from rodeos, he'd fly into Boise. So he had flown in at one point and asked me to go to dinner. So I went to dinner with him and we hit it off. Like it felt like we had known each other for years. But then in the back of my mind, it was like, he's a cowboy and I don't want to date a cowboy. I'm going to end up a broken hearted girl that dated a cowboy. Like I can't do this. I tried everything to get out of that, like to end it before it even began. You know, I had told him like, you're great, but I just, I can't do this. I can't do long distance. I'm seeing somebody else. And then one of the funny ones was like, this went on for weeks and weeks and weeks of me trying to stop it before it started. And one of the funny things was, I was like, you're awesome. And I've loved getting to know you, but I think you're just too old for me. And He's like, well, how old do you think I am? And I said, well, you've got to be at least 37, right? And he's like, no, I'm only 33. So that didn't work. Did you actually think he was 37 or were you just like coming up with an excuse? No, I don't know why. I don't know why I came up with that number in my head. But for some reason, yeah, I thought he was like almost 40 and I was in my 20s. This ain't going to work, buddy. But yeah, he wasn't. Uh And... Yeah. So anyway, we talked for a couple months and I just figured like, you know what, he's not going to put this much effort in if he's just looking for a weekend hangout kind of thing. So I gave him a chance and it all worked out. Oh, I love that. It all started with the puppy. Was the puppy just an excuse or did he actually want a puppy? Did he just see the puppy and he's like, this is my in? No. So he had accidentally run over his dad's puppy so he did truthfully want the puppy but as we were visiting and stuff the puppies weren't ready yet I was talking to my brother and I'm like I don't think this guy is serious about a puppy because he just keeps calling me to just chit chat and we haven't even talked about the puppy for weeks so you can probably sell it to somebody else and so my brother did and yeah, Trevor's still bitter about not ending up with that puppy. I think he got something a little better out of the deal, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> just a wife and some kids. And we've gotten lots of puppies since then. Yeah. So if you guys are kind of just like you you finally give in, you're kind of doing the long distance thing because he's in and out of the city that you're in. 
like when did you take it to like when did it become rodeo official for you guys? Because I think that for cowboys, that's like the benchmark. Like it's not the changing yeah. status on social media. It's like taking her to the rodeo. Like what, what was that experience? Like your introduction into that? So yeah, I think it became rodeo official after <laughs> six months. It was a long oh, time. It was a very long drawn out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was living in Boise and he was driving from Oregon to Spanish Fork. And so he invited me to go with him to Spanish Fork. So he stopped and picked me up, which I was so stressed out about that for weeks because, again, I was thinking like, this is Trevor Knowles. He probably brings a different girl to every rodeo and his friends are going to be like, oh, here's Trevor. He's a different girl. We don't care to meet her. But the reaction I got was the complete opposite. Luke was one of the first guys that I met at the rodeo, just like him and Dakota and a couple other guys. And they were like, wow, Trevor has a girl at a rodeo. <laughs> this is crazy. So that made me feel a lot better. And then from there on out, things were great. Yeah, I love that. I obviously don't have experience with other events, but I would think if you're the girl, I would be a nervous wreck in that situation also. Because like, you don't know what you're stepping into. And they clearly have a very established group of like other guys that they're, you know, rodeoing with and whatnot. But I think now we both know that you could not have been going into a better situation because the group of steeresters, it really is like a big family. And they're all so welcoming that even if you had been the girl of the week, which you clearly were not, (laughs) it would have been just as nice to you. You know, there's such a friendly and fun group of guys like you lucked out. (laughs) I did too. Yeah, and maybe they were just lying to me. Maybe I really was the girl of the week. I don't know. They were just being nice. No, I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. Oh, I love that. So what were those first few years of getting to travel with Trevor like for you? Yeah, so the first few years, it was kind of difficult because I was only like a year into my big girl job. So I really couldn't take a ton of time off. And I had traveled here and there for my job. So I would try to go with him when I could. And it was, yeah, usually me flying in and out or whenever he would come home, I would go visit him at home and we would go to brandings and go shed hunting and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was long distance for two years. And I think the longest we ever went without seeing each other was a month, which is a long time, but it wasn't terrible. I think we only did that once. So we were pretty good about me trying to fly in and out somewhere. And he, was mostly just traveling with Blake at the time. So it was really easy for me to fly in and jump in with those two and yeah. help drive or whatever. It was it was fun. Yeah. Like we touched on at the beginning of the show, Trevor's no longer rodeoing. But when you look back in that time in your guys' life, like the dating to the being married and just Trevor's time in rodeo, what was your favorite part? of the lifestyle? Probably the getting to see new places because I hadn't really traveled a ton in life up until that point. So gosh, going with him, I got to go all over the place and see lots of new cities and do a fair amount of touristy things. Like gosh, if it weren't for rodeo, I never would have gone to Disney World or I never would have gone to Universal Studios or Lake Louise or Banff or places like that. I've gotten to check off a lot of bucket list locations just through rodeoing, which is pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. The thing that stood out the most there to me was you saying you got to do touristy things because I feel like never in my 
many years of being a rodeo wife and going to rodeos with Luke did I ever get him to do touristy things he's like you want to do touristy things I will show you what the truck stop in this town looks like yeah here's a Bucky's so it was very hit or miss and it was more early on in our relationship I feel like I feel like if he was rodeoing now I'd be like no we don't have time for that we're not stopping there but yeah the the one year I made him go to Banff after Calgary which I don't think he made it to Championship Sunday. So that was the only reason we got to go to Banff is because we could go there on the way home and we weren't in a rush to get home because we had an extra day and we were only there for about four minutes. But still, at least we got to go. Oh, I can relate to that feeling so much because anytime that I've ever gotten Luke to do anything outside of rodeo, like you're on the clock. He's like, all right, like stopwatch. He's like, we have one hour and then we have to go to the next place. It's never like a leisurely side trip. Always like immediately see what you need to see. Get back in the truck. Some of my very best memories have been made in cowboy boots. From ranching to rodeos, concerts to special occasions. They've been there with me for them all. There are very few places that a great pair of cowboy boots can't take you. And if you want the best, then you're going to want a pair of Tecovas. Tecovas brings a fresh perspective to heritage bootmaking, holding on to all of the time-honored traditions and quality that you expect from a great pair of cowboy boots while still innovating on comfort, style, and service. Emphasis on comfort here, they are seriously some of the most comfortable boots I've ever slipped on. Their commitment to comfort runs so deep that you can go into any Tecova store and get custom-fitted for a pair. Each and every pair is designed in Texas and then handmade in Mexico from only the most premium leathers. So whether you're looking for your very first pair of cowboy boots or just the perfect new addition to your collection, head straight to Tacovas. Visit one of their stores or tacovas.com slash Lindsay and they'll deliver the most premium quality and comfortable Western goods right to your door. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com slash L-I-N-D-S-A-Y and point your toes west. Now that you're kind of removed from the rodeo lifestyle, is there anything that you really miss about it? I feel like I had a good few years of hardcore rodeoing with Trevor, so I don't think I could do that again now. It's I'm so used to our life now that's so slow-paced and home. and But yeah, probably just the people that you get to hang out with all the wives and girlfriends and that was really fun and a little bit of traveling here and there but I don't I couldn't do it full time now yeah oh it makes total sense I think you kind of like when you're in that rat race you forget what normal life is I guess I did I don't know if I forgot or if I just never knew but you do kind of step away from it and you realize like how nice it is to slow down and take a breath and wake up in your house every single day like that seems like a novelty and it is amazing and I think when you've stepped away it makes so much sense that you're like how I don't know how to go back to that yeah I know especially with kids now like if we were to take two children rodeoing I can't even imagine the amount of stuff you would have to take (laughs) yeah you mentioning that you miss the people and I don't know if this was ever a concern of yours but I know for me when Luke was talking about retiring I definitely thought about that too. Gosh, there are so many people that I really just love and enjoy in rodeo. And I wonder if I'm going to lose that. I think I was a little bit worried about losing those friendships or losing touch with those people, kind of like we were talking at the beginning of the show. 
And that was definitely a concern or made me feel a little bit sad. And I've found in the last year since Luke hasn't been rodeoing that so many of those people, like I didn't lose them. I didn't lose those friendships. And of course, social media helps you stay connected. But those friends that you make in the rodeo community, really, they stick around. Yeah, yeah. I feel the exact same way. There's a lot of people that even people that you wouldn't expect to remain close with over the years, like sponsor people that you're not even sponsored by that company anymore, but you're still friends with those people because they're such good people. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love that you've experienced that as well. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other things I want to talk about you in terms of being a rodeo wife is that in my eyes, you were one of the very first rodeo wives that really blew up on social media. You came out and you amassed this really large following. Everybody wanted to know what Jenna was going to wear. They wanted to know, you know, where you were at, just the whole thing. Every week, collectively, all just fell in love with you. And so I want to kind of talk oh. about that was like this social media presence that you came out with. Was that like something that kind of happened organically or was it more intentional, like you deciding to share your life that way? What was that like? It was definitely organically. So as I was traveling with Trevor, I kind of developed this love of putting together outfits. Well, back up a little bit. So in the very beginning, I feel like I started getting this like rush of followers. And I think it was just girls that were like, who is this girl that's dating Trevor? We got to find out more. And then, yeah, I got really into putting together outfits because it was so fun to dress up at the rodeos. And so I would take pictures of my outfits and share them. And then when I didn't share them, people were asking where my outfit pictures were. So I just kind of became a habit. Every rodeo, I would stand in front of the horse trailer and Trevor would take my outfit picture. I'm sure he thought it was the most annoying thing ever, <laughs> but we did it. And yeah, it just continued to grow. And then I got some modeling jobs with some Western companies and that helped grow as well. That's probably where the most traction came from on social media was from doing modeling stuff. I don't know what year-ish it was that you're talking about that this started. I can't remember. Maybe you do. But I feel like you were kind of – all of these things that you're talking about doing, and you mentioned it being organic, this was really before the influencer thing was a thing. It wasn't what everybody was doing. Like now I feel like that's very much the thing. Like you wonder if people are going to the rodeos for the rodeos or only for the pictures. You yeah. really, That's the kind of organic that we're talking about there. So I feel like you really in some ways like you kind of got that ball rolling, particularly, I would think, in the Western world, I would say. Do you take full credit for that? <laughs> no, it was not. You me. should. <laughs> that would be cool. But no. Yeah, it was probably it was like 2014. Yeah. So there wasn't even like Instagram stories. Then it was just like one square picture. Yeah. <laughs> that was it, so. Yeah. One square yeah. filter and three or one yeah. square picture and three filters that you could choose. Yeah. We're all just like slapping Valencia on every one of our pictures. Yep. <laughs> I love that. Your style became something that I think a lot of people really like other girls really wanted to emulate and look up to. Like, how do you describe your personal style? Or maybe it's changed now. How do you describe what it was maybe during that time of your life? 
gosh, I don't even know how to describe it then. And I certainly don't know how to describe it now because I feel like I've completely lost that part of myself. And it's probably from being pregnant and then having a baby and like when you're pregnant, you just want to be comfortable. So you wear the same three things for nine months. And then after having a baby, I'm like still in that awkward, none of my clothes fit stage. So I wear five things. (laughs) So I've lost my passion for dressing up, but that's my goal for 2024 is to get that back and enjoy putting together an outfit again. I love that goal. I love that. Okay. So people started following you because they wanted to know who Trevor was dating and then they fell in love with your sense of style. And then I'm sure everybody's stuck around because they found out so much more about you to fall in love with. You're super down to earth. You're incredibly funny. You're witty. Just all of those things. You really do have a really large following. And I wouldn't say it's just a large following still, regardless of where you feel like you're at in your journey with fashion. But you also seem to have like a really loyal following. You know, people are really engaged and interested just in whatever's going on in your life. And I think it's because it's always such a genuine reflection of what your life really is. You know, it never feels like you're putting on a front or trying to be some, you know, curated lifestyle, whatever influencer. I think it's just, you know, really sincere. So what to you about having this community of people supporting you have you found is the greatest? Well, I think it's really cool the people that have been there from the beginning, like the people that were those initial girls that were like, man, I really wanted to hate you, but now I just really love your family and think your kids are cute. And that's been really fun. And yeah, there's lots of people that still message me and are like, we missed seeing Trevor rodeoing or they remember certain horses. Like when Trevor's horse Reba passed away a few months ago, gosh, that was like the most popular post I've ever had because so many people loved his horse. So it's just really cool to see like those loyal people that have stuck around for so long and even before me and Trevor were together knew so much about his life and pretty cool yeah on the flip side of it having a large following is there any downside to that just because I always feel bad when I can't respond to everybody like sometimes I'll post something and I'll get 95 messages in my stories and I really want to be able to respond to everybody and I used to be able to but now I'm like Chaney needs a snack and had a blowout. And then I completely forget and don't even know where my phone is in the house for like three hours. And at the time I find it and get kids to bed, like any mom would understand this, though. It's just I really wish that I could have conversations with everybody and respond to everybody. But I suck at it sometimes. Oh my gosh. I feel that so deeply. I feel like I am very much in that same position. And it's so hard. And actually just Like a day or two ago, Luke picked up my phone and he looked at like the text messages and, you know, has a little bubble of how many are unread. And he's like, do you seriously have 42 unread text messages? He's like, that would stress me out so much. I'm like, well, there's not enough of me to keep up. I'm like, I have three active between my business and, you know, personal. I'm like, I have three active emails. I have four active inboxes on Instagram. I have texts. I have phone calls. Like I get spread too thin and it gets a little bit overwhelming. And like you said, I feel like a lot of the time I miss really great messages or I'll see them like four months later because they've sent something else and it pops up. 
And I feel so guilty because I want to read them all. I want there to be like enough time in the day to respond to everybody because I feel like I've been on the receiving end of so much support and kindness, which it yeah. sounds like is what you're also describing, that it's you kind of, you know, build relationships with these people you've never met yeah. in, in person. But it's fun to kind of talk back and forth and it feels like a real connection. And so it can be a little bit sad that there's just not 12 more hours in the day. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. So I'm really glad that I don't have like hundreds of thousands of followers because that would just blow my mind and be really overwhelming. So it's kind of nice that I just have this kind of big but not too big group that's somewhat manageable but can also get out of control. <laughs> I hear that. I think about that so, too. I'm like, wait a second. There's people that literally have a million followers. Like, what? how the heck are they doing it? I feel like in a ranching or rodeo lifestyle, I think is sometimes a lifestyle that can be a little bit misunderstood, especially if you're putting it out there publicly for just public consumption. You know, I'm sure the core base of your followers is other people in the Western industry, but your reach, I, I would imagine, extends beyond that. Have you ever been on the receiving end of people who either don't understand the lifestyle or just negative people on social media? Oh, yes. And I can't really think of any specific scenarios on the ranching side of things. But one time I posted a video of Trevor killing a rattlesnake. And oh, my goodness, I got death threats from that because Trevor chopped a rattlesnake's head off. I am very careful about what I post now because of that, which I will always post hunting pictures because that is our life and I do not care. Like, you can't get mad at me for killing a deer and eating it. Like, I am providing for a family. Leave me alone. But I guess like the killing an innocent snake that, you know, I don't know. But there are some really ridiculous people out there and I have been hated on my fair share. So now I'm just extra careful about what I post. How do you handle it? Do you ever feel, are you the person that feels like you have to say something back or do you find that it just, like you said, you're constantly second guessing, should I post this? Because I know that I go through that. Like I type something, I'm like, wait a second, do I need to retype this sentence 82 times because the one person's going to read it the wrong way and then I'm going to get some messaging like, how yeah. dare you do that to your kids or something? Oh, I have a hard time because I those things trigger me pretty quick and I just immediately want to be so rude back and like on the on hunting pictures I've gotten some negative comments but and I will respond back because it's really easy to defend that I know where my food's coming from I went and harvested it myself so leave me alone but yeah I some of the things I will respond and then I don't hit send and then that helps me feel a little bit better (laughs) It kind of scratches the a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes I'll just block people. Like I'm a very happy blocker. If someone posts something rude, I'm just like not even going to waste my time. If it makes my blood pressure rise, you're gone. Yes. I think that's a very healthy sounding approach. Yeah. Now I want to talk about a little bit about your life now. Like you are in Trevor's life now post rodeo. And I know that this is a difficult subject to talk about because you guys have had a couple really tough years and have gone through some really difficult, just real life stuff that completely transcends any of this other, any of these other things that we've been talking about. Yeah. So I'm going to try to do this without crying. Crying is Um, allowed. I do it all the time. (laughs) 
Okay. So yeah. So Trevor had a pretty abrupt retirement from rodeo because we lost both of his grandparents, his dad and his brother, all within a year and a half of each other. And actually his dad, grandpa and brother were all within seven months of each other, which was pretty shocking and devastating. And it still is. But the only reason that Trevor was ever able to rodeo is because his dad and brother took care of everything when he was gone. So he could leave and rodeo and not even think about things at home because he knew it was taken care of. And after his dad passed away, his brother was like, go, buddy, like you can still rodeo. It'll be fine. I got this. And so Trevor just switched the way he rodeoed a little bit. He, instead of driving everywhere, he borrowed horses. So he'd just fly in and out and make really quick trips and It was still working and he was kind of slowing down a little bit, but it was still working. And then his brother passed away in a car accident. And that was that. Like our world just got flipped upside down and and he was done. It was terrible. And it still is. The ripple effect that losing one person in your life that you're close to can be life altering for any of us. But hearing how much loss you guys went through and just how far that extended into every, it must just change like the fabric of who you are and so abruptly. Yeah, everything about our lives changed. And it's just, it's so sad because Trevor's dream was to retire from rodeo and come home and ranch with his dad and brother. And, and so he went from having that dream to, Now it's me and Trevor and his mom and our sister-in-law, and that's it. Like, this is us. Of course, the kids, too, but the four of us are basically running this place, mostly Trevor, because the rest of us work, so it's kind of hard. But yeah, yeah, just the way you think your life is going to go, it's just completely different, and we're making the best of it, though. This is one of the things that set Trevor apart, I think, as far as a rodeo cowboy. He was obviously a rodeo cowboy, incredibly talented, hugely successful. But he was a cowboy when he went home, too. And a lot of these rodeo cowboys aren't. This is kind of where it starts and stops. Obviously, they have their horses at home and stuff, but they're not going home and ranching. And that's who he really was underneath being a rodeo cowboy. I kind of view it and and Luke was much the same way. And so I've always kind of viewed it as that's who they are inside and rodeoing is what they do. You know, that's kind of the difference to me because I think that ranching and being a cowboy in that way goes a lot deeper into the core of your values, what you believe, what you think, the way your life goes. You know, rodeo is kind of like a more surface level thing in comparison And so I'm sure for him, it wasn't even a question about walking away and going and, you know, going back home and taking care of the ranch. Yeah, yeah. He he stayed home and not only took care of the ranch, but everybody, you know, he's got a a mom without her husband and a sister-in-law and three little boys that don't have their dad anymore. And so Trevor's taken on a lot over the years, you know, he's coached baseball he's a wrestling coach he's taken the boys to rodeos and roping for them and in the summer they rope a lot and yeah it's it's pretty awesome what an incredible guy to really 
step up. That's a lot left on his shoulders to have to do and to step into that role and take it on with so much kind of grace must really speak to who he is truly as a person. Yeah. And he wouldn't even think twice about it. He just does everything because that's just what you do when you get put in situations like this. You just do it. And yeah, he's pretty dang amazing. He basically is always doing things for everybody else. Like he hardly ever does anything for himself. So yeah. Obviously you were in love with him before, but this must help you to see him in in an even different light. You're kind of seeing a different, whole different or deeper, I guess I should say, side of him, like the man you married. Yeah, it's crazy. You, you know, you talk about people working hard and if someone spends a day with Trevor, they're usually like, holy crap, like that guy doesn't stop. Like he just keeps going and he can't stop. He doesn't have a choice. Like he would probably love to come home and kick up his feet and watch the rodeo that's on or something. But he's working from like before the sun comes up until long into the dark because there's no other option. We don't have a crew of people working here. It's just us. It sounds like he's literally doing the job of five men. Yeah, it's really hard, which luckily my parents retired and moved up here a couple of years ago. So my dad has been able to help him out a lot, which has been really nice having, having free labor. But yeah, oh gosh, I just, it's insane how hard Trevor works and like he never gets caught up. Yeah. So. If anyone ever wants to come out right <laughs> along with Trevor, we'll take you. We'll start an internship program, okay? Yeah, we'll get paid in, paid in cookies and coffee, and that is all. <laughs> I mean, you had me at cookies and coffee. I will come and do yeah. it. We're, we're talking a lot about how great Trevor is and these, you know, what it's taken for him to step up. But I also think that we should talk about you because alongside of that, it comes back to you. You are doing all of these things and you're supporting him. Your life changed just as much as his did. And you have really stepped into that role too and not just helping to run the ranch because I see all the ways that you're out there feeding with him when it's cold and you're taking care of, you know, your two beautiful kids now and all of that. So all of these things, these new roles he stepped into and took on, they involve you too. They have not affected your life. It's not like things stayed the same for you either. Yeah. And I think that takes a really strong woman. And I think, you know, is a, a great example of how much you must love him. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, we, our whole crew is basically doing everything we can to keep rolling. You know, Trevor's mom will watch the kids so I can go move cows with him or... Trevor will take Chaney to our sister-in-law and she'll watch Chaney so that I can stay home with Huck and have a quiet day or Trevor will take the boys for her so she can have a quiet day and clean the house or yeah it's just we all are kind of a pretty good little team trying to help each other to survive over here. Yeah I love that so much and it really so much of what you said, I related to just living on the ranch and that kind of – it's family, obviously, but this kind yeah. of – it's really that it takes a village mentality, right? Where everybody oh, yeah. is in and you're all working together. And that's one of the things that I love the most about being in a ranching family is the way that everyone – I wouldn't even say supports one another because it's more just – it's more inherent 
just everybody steps in. Everybody kind of sees yeah. where somebody needs an extra hand and will step in and be that extra hand just to help out. That's yeah. how things work. It's the only way things work. Yeah. You don't even really think about it. You just, you know, what job needs to be done and you figure out who's going to do what and you should make it happen. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now this is the life that you're living in your life now. What is the thing that you love the most about the way that your life is now? I love that we are raising the kids the way that we were raised. You know, I can't even imagine raising a kid in a city. Like, I don't know any different from how I was raised. So it's really nice having, you know, having Cheney and Huck be able to have horses and cows and brand calves and just and hunt and do all the things that we both did growing up. And it's pretty awesome. And I love that. I love what we do. I love that we provide beef for America. And and I love that we can do everything as a family. I think that's pretty cool, which I work in town too. So I don't get to do everything and always be involved on the ranch. But yeah, when I do get to help out, I just love that ranching is a family affair and everything we do is together. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely the best part. You mentioned your two little kids. So you've got a girl, a daughter and a son. Yep. What happens when the day comes and one or both of them decides that they want to rodeo? What is your response to that? Probably just to put your whole heart into it and take it serious if that's what you want to do because it is it's a big monetary commitment, huge time <laughs> commitment. And so, yeah, if you're going to do it, then we're going to go all in and do it. We're not just going to fiddle around. <laughs> Very good. Very sound advice. Very sound advice. I'm just yeah. in this moment picturing Chaney, your daughter, following in your footsteps and the first time that she brings one of those city boys home that decides he wants to be a cowboy. What Trevor's response to that's going to be? I can't even imagine. I don't know why, but I automatically think of Sam Elliott on the ranch. What would Sam Elliott say? It's probably what Trevor would say. Oh, I love that so much. Well, at the end of every show, I like to ask the guest if they have a favorite rodeo moment or memory that they can share with us. Mine is probably I got to be there when Trevor won Calgary one of the times that he won it. And it was the coolest experience ever because, well, for one, he had won it the year before that. And I didn't get to be there. I was working and I had to watch it online. And it was just really cool that he won. But it sucked that he had nobody there to none of his family, none of us were there to celebrate with him. So the next year got to go with him. And I was thinking like, what are the odds? Like who wins this twice in a row? Like he's amazing. And I'm not discounting his talent, but what are the odds of winning it twice in a row? And he did. So it was just really cool to be there. And then the glory of driving the 12 hour drive to Nampa with a bronze in the back seat was just amazing. So <laughs> Oh, I love that. I'm sure it made that trip, that 12-hour drive back to Nampa yeah. a little bit easier, <laughs> a little bit more fun, yeah. I should say, when you're still riding the high. Yeah, the best all-night drive ever, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love, too, that you're like, eh, he won it last year, so probably he's not going to win it this year. Cover <laughs> was like the king of Calgary. How many, did he win it four times? How many times did he win it? Like a yeah. million. Four. Yes. Four, yeah. Amazing. I know. We should, our ranch should be called the Calgary Ranch or something. It is funded our life. I know. How did you not name your firstborn child Calgary? I know. I should have. <laughs> It'll be our nickname. Yeah. 
Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. I've loved this. I love to be a couple ex-steer wrestler wives just getting to talk about the good old days. I know. Well, thanks for having me. This was fun. It was. I hope you've had as much fun as I have listening to the heartwarming stories, adventures, mishaps, and life lessons from the arena and beyond. Now that you're officially a member of our Big Rodeo family, it would mean so much to us if you could take a moment to leave a rating and a written review. I'm passionate about putting these stories out into the world, and I love hearing your feedback. Knowing exactly what you want to hear more of or how an episode resonated with you helps us to continue to grow, and most importantly, share even more of our wild rodeo lives. Mm -hmm.